Welcome to She Critiques, where we discuss the new, the old, all things cinema. I'm Mercedes, television producer, certified reviewer, and all-around movie buff. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited for our guest this week on the podcast, Miss Ashley Conley. Born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, Ashley has always loved to write and tell stories. She wrote plays as a child, and her first college paper was published the following year in a textbook. After a brief career as a writer for Rolling Out Magazine, Ashley relocated to Los Angeles to become a development executive. Still feeling the bite of the writing bug, she turned her focus to writing for scripted television. She has worked for CAA, WBTV, Gotham Group, Carol Mendelson Productions, and is currently working on Black Lightning. That's right, Black Lightning, and just completed her second script. She holds a bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism from Hanson University, as well as a master's degree in TV, radio, and film from Syracuse University. Everyone, please welcome Miss Ashley Conway. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm excited to be here. I think this is going to be so fun. I'm I'm glad to have you. When you said, okay, let me tell the people real quick how we kind of connected through a mutual friend, Miss Alexa Harris. Um, I guess a chance encounter via Zoom because everything is so virtual nowadays. But I said, when she said, as she said, oh, yes, well, you know, well, Alexa introduced us and said that you work on Black Lightning and you're a writer. And I said, well, girl, you got, I got to get you on the podcast. <laughs> I had to shoot my shot, get you on the podcast. <laughs> and I said, what film would you like to discuss as your classic film? And you said, Boomerang. You said Boomerang, <laughs> y'all. She said Boomerang. Let me give, let me cue up my, eh. yes, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So we're going to discuss Boomerang today and as well as coming to America as paying tribute and homage to Mr. Eddie Murphy himself, the comedian, the actor, all of the things Mr. Eddie Murphy and still doing it big and doing it well. So let's dig into this. Why do we love Boomerang? What is it about Boomerang? For me, when I first saw Boomerang, well, I had to like get real creative to be able to watch the whole thing because the movie came out in 92 Uh and um, I was 10. And so I remember seeing the previews for it and I wanted to see it because I liked Eddie Murphy because at 10, and this is a different story altogether, I had already seen the full version of Coming to America. Uh So I wanted to see it. And I remember it came on TV maybe like a year or so later and I recorded it. And I was just so like, I think at that age, seeing them, that movie to me personified black excellence to 10 year old me. You know, you got Eddie Murphy doing his thing, Robin Gibbons, um, Halle Berry, um, and then just the lifestyle they were living in New York. I mean, it might've given me um, an unrealistic Um, view of what I thought my adulthood life was going to be but I think uh for me that movie kind of personified black excellence I like Eddie Murphy and his little group of friends you know they were all doing their thing and it was um I mean it was a rom-com but I just think it seemed like everyone had kind of gotten to where like they reached a certain status in their career and they were just living life and they made 
look so fun. And I was like, this is the kind of life I want to have. I wanted Eddie Murphy's apartment. Um, <laughs> oh, that modern furniture. What is that, like $400? You know, I don't know anything about it. But I was just, I love that movie so much. Um, even Eartha Kitts, her, her appearance in there with the mob and stopping. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I love everything about it. <laughs> all the catchphrases. Yeah. All the quotes, all the scenes. You know what's mm-hmm. crazy with with this with the film, and I just watched it again last night just to kind of brush up a little bit. Like, let me just you know get some fresh eyes on it real quick in pre- preparation. Mm-hmm. For this. But yes, to your point, black excellence. Like Eddie Murphy was a black man working, you know, in a corporate setting and a director of marketing and all. You know, he really so kudos to him for showing that visual of black yeah. in success yeah. and what that looked like. I don't know what it you know what other films were doing back then but it clearly you know it showed us in a great light in that aspect but also for him to lace the entire film with star-studded breakout stars like the, the Mark Lawrence I know David Allen Greer already had a career but he was in the film John Witherspoon Chris Rock um John Stranger <laughs> Earth the Kid like it was star-studded and he's known for doing that like with a lot of his films and mm-hmm. Martin Lawrence as well. Like Martin Lawrence hadn't necessarily broke just yet, but mm-hmm. they were all in his film. So clearly he wasn't intimidated by right. any comedians. And then also what I noticed is he it was full of comedians, but it didn't feel like uh, some of the films we see now with those, uh, you know, when they get a large cast and they overdo it. Right. Yeah. But they way overdo it. And then they're trying to get you to do the big belly laugh. But Eddie Murphy was real smart and like giving us little laughs throughout mm-hmm. the film. Like it wasn't like a ha ha, you know, crazy moment that you have to laugh at. It was just like just weaved in there. Like he just had a slick line and he was right. like, Chris Rock's line when he's like, um, because uh, he's the male guy, he's like, I've been working here, you know, nine days. Don't you we gotta talk promotion? And I was, I mean, the thing is, it's such a small role, but you just don't forget him. Yes. No. Yes. Even with Martin and David Allegria, like they didn't have huge, they were a part of the story, but just mm-hmm. enough where it wasn't like they just overwhelmed, like just because I got a face and a name mm-hmm. out here, we're going to just throw him in the scene. Like they made it make sense. Yeah. Which I don't think they do with a lot of films now. It's like if we, we got a name, we're going to throw a whole scene around just this person because it's a right. name. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't translate well to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. And I think with them, like you said, they were, um, it made sense. Like it wasn't any, well, this is Eddie's movie, but we have to have this side story that Martin has. And then this backstory with, I mean, I think they did kind of incorporate David Allen Greer a little more since he was the first one to date Halle Berry's character. But um, it wasn't, but still that was, that was on the side. And I think the way that was set up, to kind of create tension with them later on was perfect. Like it wasn't like they all had their individual uh, stories, you know, everything kind of melded together. And also I really like at the end, <laughs> cause you know, there were boys and um, David Allen Greer and Eddie Murphy fell out and on the roof when they're- um, Oh yeah, uh uh-huh. Here comes Martin crying. He was like, we boys, man. I just don't understand. Y'all need to, I want a hug, man. I want a hug. I just, that's one of the funniest moments in the whole movie. Like, y'all supposed to be boys. We're supposed to be boys, man. 
Look, do it again. I didn't see it. <laughs> so speaking of that, since that's what a, a good moment for you, I'm gonna cue up some of my favorite scenes here. I saw the woman and a bunch of stuff that was in me I didn't even know was still there came out. Things happen. And... There's certain things you just have no control over, all right? Really? Like what? Like love. Love? You know, what do you know about love? What do you possibly think you know about love? You know, I'm sick and tired of men using love like it's some kind of disease you just catch. Love should have brought your ass home last night. Didn't you just hear me say I was sorry? I heard you say you're sorry. You're sorry and you're tired. You don't love me. You don't love Jacqueline. You only love your damn self. How could you say I never cared about you? You know, Jacqueline says that I'm a better person now, and I know I owe that all to you. That scene for me was, that was real black girl. That was real, she was, when she said, because you, you're tired, and you, it, she gave <laughs> all of that. And I haven't seen Holly act like that before, or at least I hadn't, you know, I hadn't seen it. But she gave me that, first of all, from watching it again last night, do you think that Angela, Holly Berry's character, was checking for Marcus from the beginning? I think that it was like, and this might just be like most women in America, you know, you you have someone that you see at work and you're just like, I mean, oh, he's cute, but this is work, you know, this is what I do. And also, I already know his reputation. So, so I mean, to answer your question, I don't think she really was. I think she was attracted to him, but she was never, ever really going to go there, you okay. know? From watching it, so I never thought this previously. Watching it last night, I'm like, was she checking from him for him since the beginning? Because she kept throwing little, you know, who are you looking for? Are you looking for a Jackie? Oh, you know, like just popping up at the perfect time. Like, and then when they were on the flight to New Orleans, and she said, Well, you know, because Jacqueline will be there. It's the perfect place for you guys to, you know. So she was always just kind of like, and then she made the move on him on the <laughs> shot that's true that's true <laughs> so, she, she, so she made the move on him with the kiss on the couch too so i was like wait a minute has she been and when she um when david allegria character came to her house and it was just like this back and forth of let's keep it light and ha 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 whatever and he left it was kind of like a sigh of like okay yeah he's in the friend zone like yeah that's not yeah. for sure <laughs> i'm looking through this lens now like was angela checking for him you know, I think, okay, because my answer was no, but I think I'm thinking now more about um, that plane scene mm -hmm. where they're talking about, you know, New Orleans is such this sexy town and da 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 da, um, and a romantic town and what a great city it is. And she's like, oh, well, you can do all that romantic stuff when Jacqueline comes here. And it's like, right, hmm. right, right. You just said, he even said, where did that come from? You know, <laughs> you know, and so I forgot about that. So, you know what, maybe she suddenly was, and she was trying to like shoot her shot in a way that didn't really seem like she was trying to shoot her shot. Right, right. Just trying to see, to test the waters to see what. And she really didn't know what was going on between him and um, Jacqueline. But it seemed right. like 
trying to gather a little like, well, you know, that's something, you know, maybe you and Jacqueline could be like trying to see what was, what was up, what was up. Mm-hmm. And then also when Jacqueline uh, pulled the plug on her and Eddie's rendezvous and she kind of cornered her on the staircase, she said, Jackie, give her a little one of those like, girlfriend, take it easy on them. You know, I just, it seems like it didn't work. <laughs> Or that even though, remember when um, the two of them, it was Jacqueline and Angela sitting in her office, in Jacqueline's office, uh-huh. and she was just like, um, Angela was asking about Jacqueline's, I mean, uh, Marcus's reputation. And uh-huh. so then she was just like, oh my God, this man, he's wonderful. He's this, he's that. And you can see Angela's face kind of dropped and in in that she was just like oh wait so so you can confirm this rumor like oh, you it. know uh-huh. yeah and I feel like when Jacqueline kind of spilled the beans that they had hooked up in New Orleans and then Marcus came in I think Angela tried to play it off before he came in but no the camera was on her face where the face was like I got to now I got to watch it again <laughs> Because I really, I'm starting to think, yeah, she was plotting. She was plotting for us. You bring up uh, Jacqueline's whole situation, too, because somebody pointed this out while I was looking through clips, and I saw somebody (laughs) comment, and I had to take a second look. Let me cue Mm -hmm. you up here. Let me cue you up. Check this right. Check this out right here. You are absolutely wonderful. But I... I think that we should kind of make this clear right from the start so there's no misunderstanding. You see, I don't date men I work with. Bam, right there. I don't need to rewind it. She said, I don't (laughs) date men I work with. So somebody had commented under this video and I really had never thought of it before, but Mm -hmm. she was saying we could fool around. I don't take men serious that I work for. That's what the guy, he was like, she was letting him know right then and there, I don't date men I work with. So maybe like we can't, ain't nothing serious going to come of this, but I'm just letting you know, let's make it clear. I don't date the men that I work with. You know, I never thought about it like that. I thought she was just saying that, but then between like the time they were spending together and then New Orleans, she was just like, okay, fine, we're going to do this. But... If you think about it, mm-hmm. after when he comes back and he's all kissing on her and doing this, that, and the other, and she was like, I mean, is this supposed to be a relationship? Wait, like, what up? Are you getting serious on me? Uh-huh. <laughs> Are you getting serious on me? You want us to roll together where we're together all the time? What is that? <laughs> so I think she was uh, that, that, I, I gotta, I have to watch all over again because now after doing a little bit of the breakdown it's like wait a minute now was she being clear she said wait let's be clear let me just be clear really quick i don't date men that i work with and he was like (laughs) emphasis on date now that i'm thinking about it because i've seen it several times i feel like i have to watch it again now with this new lens that we have because yeah because she says i don't date men and i just thought she meant date mess with this all of it, yeah. She yeah. broke her own rule and she was messing with him, but then she did pull his coattail when he was all up on her. And she said, wait, 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 are you, then this is not what this is now. Cause I don't date men <laughs> that I work with, uh-huh. So she let him know. And I guess this, the, uh, 
the irony, I guess, of Boomerang because Marcus clearly got what he was given. Yep. Mm-hmm. Given by the givens. <laughs> By the given. <laughs> yes, give it, yes, she gave it to him. And I don't, I mean, when we think of, I don't know, your dating history or whatever the case may be, but when doggish men, <clears throat> clear my throat. <laughs> doggish men give back what they've been given for so long, he could not handle it. He couldn't, mm-hmm. he couldn't handle it. No, because he was not, he was no longer the one in control. Like, he had all of this Rolodex of women that he had his secretary send flowers to all 5,000 of these women. You know, she's reminded him of their birthdays. And so and he knows which one is w- going to call it. Like, he controlled the whole thing. And here comes this woman who he's, like, enamored with, who he kind of feels like he met, he's met his match. Mm. But... All she is doing is doing the same thing to him that he's done to other women. And he's just like, wait, what? Because she says, oh, I can see you again in like, what, three weeks? And he was just like, what? The 12th? Oh, the 12th. It was like the 12th is three weeks from now. Oh, and it wasn't even her at all. It was her secretary. Yeah. Or assistant, whatever. Yeah. So, but one thing that I will say about when Alexa called, like, my Robin Givens dress, so I have a dress that I feel ridiculously confident in. And she was not wearing this dress when Marcus first saw her. But there's something to me that always stood out in that scene where he's walking down the hallway and then that music starts to boom, boom, boom. And he sees her. And he's just like, what? And she just looks at him and she keeps going. And for, again, 10-year-old me, I was like, I want to grow up and be like her. Like, I want somebody to look at me like that and just, you know, and because he comes up to her and he's like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. And I guess in the movie it was supposed to be love at first sight or whatever. I don't know. He was just head over heels, heels for her um, immediately. And I think when I saw it at the age that I saw it at, I was just like, that's, that's, I want that confidence to be able to walk into a room and just have somebody fall over me like that. Yeah. That is- but you know, <laughs> I mean, but and Marcus was also very much a liar. Oh yeah, a lie. I don't know if we could give him. I feel like narcissists get thrown around a whole lot. I don't know if that was necessarily him, but he was very much a liar. I think mm-hmm. uh, Leela Rashad's character and her gullible self. Yeah, <laughs> so gullible, so naive. You know, he come up with a leash. You know, and oh, I just don't want to get hurt. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You're just looking like this fool right here. Maybe he was a liar. He's not a narcissist, but he was definitely manipulative. Mm -hmm. And what is it called, I guess, uh, character breakdowns? And you're you're a professional writer. How would you break down Eddie Murphy's character? Like, what do they have, like, the the log lines for each of them? What would you say? Um, hmm. it would probably be something like, you know, um, well, I guess successful 
late 20s, I guess at that time, um, successful black executive, charming, handsome, but manipulative. I'm trying to find a way. I would say like subtly manipulative because there's a way that when you see a character on TV, you can tell that they're manipulative, but he does it. He did it in a more subtle way. He did it by charming people. Mm -hmm. And so, and he did it in a way his character, you, you hated him, but you didn't, you know what I mean? Right. You were rooted for him almost. Like you wanted to get the girl. You mm -hmm. wanted him to get Jacqueline for some reason. And we knew how much of a dog he was. Exactly. But we still didn't like to see him get his feelings hurt, which is weird. Right, when he, when she broke up with him and, you know, he was like, I want to go to my house and listen to Sade. Like, you felt bad for him, but in the back of your mind, you're like, but he kind of did that to himself. Right. Because she never told any lies. She didn't leave him on. He just saw more to the situation than, than was there. Yes. And what's interesting is, like you said, she was doing exactly what he has been doing. She was literally using his blueprint for game. And he saw the game. He was calling yep. her out on the game. Like, this is one of my tricks or whatever. He knew exactly <laughs> what she was doing. And he still fell for the game. So I don't know where his mind was at either. Like you said, he saw her. He thought she was drop dead gorgeous. She had the perfect feet, the career. He was like, you know, he fell for her. So, he fell. Yeah. But also, and I'm sorry, that was such a boss move when she showed up they had missed a concert she shows up with the trench coat bra panties they do their thing and then the next morning or wasn't even the next morning it was like the middle of the night she was like i gotta go home i got a meeting but then she left the money on the table <laughs> on the nightstand <laughs> yes. <He's> like... <laughs> oh i love it i love it okay okay <laughs> boss move and I get that his feelings were hurt but that was such a boss move on her part <laughs> I can't I can't stress enough how much I feel like Eddie is a genius at mm -hmm. leaving comedy without mm -hmm. it being so in your face oh like, yeah this is supposed to be funny everybody laugh right now it's just mm -hmm. like just it's a nice balance and you laugh throughout the movie at the little things that, and that keeps it, I mean, it was a comedy, a romantic comedy, and for him to be such a comedian, but showing his chops as a star, like a leading man, mm -hmm. and you're not laughing at him, you are laughing with him. I think that's right. what comedians are doing now. You're laughing at them, and we can really just be laughing with you if you mm -hmm. know how to, to structure the comedy like that a little bit. Okay, so we're going to close out Boomerang. Anything... What did we learn from Boomerang? I think that's how we could close this out. Um, what did we learn from Boomerang? Um, <laughs> what goes around comes around, first of all. Yes, for sure. <laughs> what goes around comes around. Um, maybe also love doesn't look the way you think it's going to because he was head over heels for a Robin Givens, but he ended up with Angela. And I don't really think he's subtle for her. He just fell in love with her in a different way. Like, I mean, she's clearly, I mean, having to choose between Robin Givens and Halle Berry is going to be hard enough. <laughs> but, you know, she had a great personality. She was into art. Like, she was very much her own person. And I think that's the part that I appreciated in the movie. Um, or that's one of the parts I appreciated in the movie. But... Package how what he was looking for, how he was looking for it. 
Mm-hmm. Another package. Because even I think in reading their character breakdowns, they say Jacqueline's character like wears her sexy. And Anne's yes. character is more sub subtle sexy. You know, it's yeah. not just, you know. It wasn't was- like in your face. It's like her sex appeal kind of came out after you get to know her. And she's obviously a beautiful woman, but once you got to know her, it's just like, oh, okay. You know. And before we close this out, let me just give a nod to Miss Tisha Campbell because she is funny in this movie as well. Oh, Tisha is-, is so funny in this movie. Oh my goodness. And she said before uh, when she auditioned for this role, she said in the audition uh, the line, girl, what you about, 5'2"? You know, 110 pounds? Doggy style. Doggy style. Doggy style. <laughs> that line when she was uh, rehearsing with her then husband, Dwayne Martin. He yeah. gave like, this is how you got to do it. You go in there and you say this. And she said she went in there, she improvised and used that line. And they were like, what? Did you just add that? And they gave her the role. Oh, Larry. That doggy style line was, was her own, was Dwayne oh. Martin. <laughs> doggy style. <laughs> It was not at the end, but when Marcus is sad and she can tell he's sad, uh-huh. and she says what she says, she's like, "Do you want to come over for a cup of coffee?" <laughs> he says, "You know, whatever shady thing he says," and she was just like, "Why don't you just leave your black ass off the edge?" <laughs> he just switches it up on him. Oh my, yes, props to teacher and Reginald Hudlin for directing that movie. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um. And she got that, that's how she got the role in Martin. Martin met her there. Oh. I think he met her there, or he knew her already from House Party. I'm not quite sure on that one. But okay. after seeing her in Boomerang, he said, I want her to be my co-star in his then sitcom, Martin. Okay, okay. moving along, celebrating Mr. Eddie Murphy. We're just going to comb through a little bit of Coming to America. Okay, mm-hmm. Coming to America is one of my favorite Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. And I don't know what the heck, like we, I said before, some of these movies that you just love and hold right here aren't necessarily the Oscar-worthy films or, you know, but it's just something about these movies and Eddie's still packing them out with his friends and having a good time. And that says a lot for their chemistry with him and Mr. Wall. <laughs> okay, let me cue up my favorite scene and come into America. <laughs> anything but they are hilarious so mm-hmm. America came out in 88 before boomerang but eddie is the master to me behind these multiple characters in a film like he i don't know how he even pulled that off playing the old man the, the crazy character the sexual chocolate playing a man from zamunda and like he is just dipping and dabbling at Genius, genius level creativity here. What are your thoughts on coming to America? Coming to America, yeah, and I did see it before Boomerang. It's funny, I had to sneak and watch Boomerang, but my dad showed me coming to America 
Um, like we would have movie nights on Friday. My mom would go to bed and it was one of his favorite movies. And so I was always like to stay up late. So I remember seeing it as a young age. And I remember when my dad told me that, you know, that's Eddie Murphy, that's Arsenio Hall. And it was not like, you know, India Keem and um, uh, Semi character. I was like, that's not him, especially when it was that old uh, white Jewish man. I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. And he was like, no, it is. And I was like, no, it's not. And so it was just, you know, like I, the, and I kept staring at the screen like, what? But yeah. then, you know, when you look at the credits, you're like, oh, okay. But um, that movie is, is memorable for, God, so many reasons. Like the, um, the McDonald's and the McDowell's and then, you know, him taking so much pride into wanting to find his queen. So he becomes a janitor at McDowell's. Like there's there's so much about that movie that I like. It's like hard to, hard to, it's yeah. I mean, oh man, I'm about to call him, is it James Earl Jones? James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, him, from him to Arsenio, I mean that little cameo we get of Cuba Gooding Jr. in there. Oh <laughs> yeah, I don't think he had any lines in that movie. No. It's just a little, a little spin around in the chair. <laughs> and I noticed was not cutting his hair. He had the scissors and he just kept doing this around his head. Girl, the soul glow. Okay. <laughs> that feels <laughs> Like, where did he get this stuff from? And it's, to this day, it's still hilarious. You can watch one of these movies, turn it on, and you're still laughing at the same joke. It's timeless. Both of them are timeless classics. So he is working on uh, the sequel, but I want to kind of take a second to pay some homage to these films that were made late 80s, early 90s. And what do you think was that that feeling of uh, filmmaking during that time that made so many of these films, these Black films, iconic? I think for both uh, Coming to America and Boomerang, it was still Black excellence, because then in... Um, coming to America, you have, you know, basically, you have Black royalty, you know, um, James Earl Jones, I think it's the wife was, Madge Sinclair, and this prince is trying to find his princess. So it's like, um, like a classic, like fairy tale story, basically, where you have a man, you know, the handsome prince wants to find his princess and, you know, live happily ever after. He just told it in a different way. Um, <clears throat> He moved to New York, so you have your fish out of water story. And I guess he was there to sow his royal oats. But, you know, he's like, no, I need to find my queen. Where can I find my queen? Oh, in Queens, New York, because that is why that city was named, because it's full of queens. <laughs> um, and even with that movie, also the, the various camera, and maybe this is just an Eddie Murphy movie thing, but all of the cameos that were in that movie as well. L. Yes, I was just thinking, yes, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, his father's name, the same dad from Good Times. John uh, Amos. John, John Amos. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, like, and oh, there's someone that's on the tip of my tongue that I'm forgetting. As I go through the movie, it's going to come out. Um, but it's just, I think he wanted to kind of, I think it was like a classic, like, very Black excellent spin on a fairy tale. You know, he's just going to completely different way. Yes. And him, the duo of him and Arsenio is just, their chemistry <laughs> on screen is just unmatchable. It's unmatchable. 
But I feel like, I mean, do we give Eddie all the flowers for that? Because I feel like anytime he's on screen with someone else, because now I'm thinking of Martin and him in life, right? Mm -hmm. And he still has this magic. With, and you could tell he likes to surround himself with comedians. Like, yes. And I think they maybe they play on each other and things just come up and they're just rolling. Like, I... I just wonder with comedians, because um, I work mainly in drama, but just with hearing comedians talking like um, some comedians who write, when they film, sometimes that stuff is ad-lib or yeah. it's, uh, what's the word? Improv, improv, that's the word I was looking for. And I wonder with Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall, if some of that was improv. Mm -hmm. Just because it's like they know, they knew how to play off each other and I just don't know if all of that was scripted. You know, yeah. I think some of it was and you know, you get like a chemistry going and a rhythm going and then you just start, you know, you just go. Mm -hmm. I can see how, cause it's too much magic. I think in these films, it's so much magic, like stuff that you couldn't even, you know, that they had to just be in the pocket or in the groove and going through right. and just, something just happens and it's hilarious. Yeah. I really, I was thinking of uh, when I jumped into life, my brain did. Um, I know they said with Bernie Mac's character when he was jingling, 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 like that's an improv line or I'm the pathy. Like that was all improv. Like them just, they know what the scene is about and they're just going with the flow. Yeah. So, I, kudos to those brothers because it's hilarious. Well, Go ahead. Quick, do you think that the first um, barbershop scene, like when we first meet all of them, do you think all of that was scripted? I mean, I know it clearly had to be shot in certain ways because you have them both playing dual roles. But do you think all of that was scripted or do you th think some of that was improv? You're talking about coming to America when we coming first. Coming to America. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, you might be mine. Right. <laughs> but yeah, when they were talking about catch clay, catch clay. <laughs> 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 I'm going to play. I'm going to play. Mama made me play, I'm gonna play. <laughs> I think honestly, I don't I don't think that can be written. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just that maybe that's Eddie's format, and maybe I'm assuming. I think if you give him the breakdown of what the scene is, like they're about to walk in and they hear these old men in the barbershop having barbershop talk, whatever barbershop talk is, which I'm sure so many black men are familiar with. Yeah. He probably just went into it. I'm assuming, but I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past that that's, I don't think that's scripted. How do you yeah. write? Mama calls I, How do you write? I mean, granted, I don't spend a lot of time in barbershops, but I was just, the flow of it was just so like, perfect. so magical. Yeah, it was perfect. And I was like, I think some of this had to be ad-libbed and, and uh, improv. I could see that. I could so see that. So he did for the sequel, he's bringing back all the original characters. Mm -hmm. I cannot, when I tell you, I cannot wait to see this sequel. I'm so excited about this sequel. It's, I really, it's, sometimes they ruin sequels, but I want to trust the comedic genius of Eddie Murphy. Yeah, no, same, because I feel that when, when I first heard about a sequel, and like you said, people ruin sequels and you're just like, why didn't you just leave it alone? But I think because it's been such a long time period, um, Eddie Murphy and our, and a lot of the original people are going to be in it. Like maybe that, I wonder if he wrote that, had that written to his contract. Like this, that's the only way this is going to be done if all these people are in it. 
to keep that same uh, magic alive that they had back in 1988. Mm, I would, I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I would hope so. Um, anything that we can take away from coming to America? <sighs> hmm. What did he learn in that film? That was what? That film. It, okay, the film is about him finding his queen right yes he finds her but did the character learn any valuable lesson was this, he go ahead oh, oh, um, he is uh when you said yeah did he learn any valuable lesson there wasn't with him i don't think a huge turn you know the same way he made the turn in boomerang he basically accomplished what he wanted to. I think the thing that was the most interesting was that he's this prince with all this money, royalty, whatever. And he was perfectly fine going to Queens and being a janitor and living in an apartment that had rats where someone had been murdered in it. But he like, that phased him. And so that was something that I, I saw that was, um, that was interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can necessarily say if he made a turn in that movie. Right. I think we thought he was going to not get what he wanted, which was the queen, or which was Lisa, and then she showed up later at the wedding. <laughs> yeah. I even think that there's something to be said about a man who wants to find a woman who's interested in him and not his money. Because right. he came to Queens and he was living crazy mm -hmm. or below what he's used to. And he was okay with that because he wanted to find a woman who would be okay with that way of life. Like he brought her back to the apartment. He wanted her to think that he was poor. Right. And today there's a lot of men who want you to know how much is in their bank account because they want type of treatment or special, or they think it comes with special treatment. So a lot of men today <laughs> are leading with, I got this, this, and this, you better act right. Right. When he was leading with, I don't have nothing. How are you going to act? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think if, I mean, if a lot of men were smart, they wouldn't lead with what they can offer. But is it, he is said, it for what, around is it, intellect as well as my loin? <laughs> is it fair? Would you date a man who brought you back to his apartment and it looked like the one in Coming to America. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he is treating me and then I like my apartment so it's just like, we can just hang out in my spot. <laughs> I can't do the rats and the roaches and the and right, the chalk on the floor of the dead person. Okay. I think he had a point though. He, had, he was on to something. I really, you know. So in closing the Coming to America, I just want to give nods to a few other Eddie Murphy movies that I think are pretty brilliant. I just nod to them and whichever ones you have as well that I'm sure I'll probably forget. Harlem Nights for me, definitely mm -hmm. classic. Another one filled with comedians and it's still not over the top. We're going to beat you upside the head to make you laugh funny. It's still hilarious. Every scene has a punchline. Harlem Nights for me, definitely life, Eddie and Martin, or Eddie and Martin mm -hmm. Lawrence. Hilarious, absolutely hilarious. One of my favorite movies. Uh, Nutty Professor. Nutty Professor for me is another yeah. one. Him doing that multi-character multi thing. Once again, he's great at it. 
would you any other Eddie Murphy movies for you? Um, all those are my favorites as well. I actually really like him though, and he was not comedic enough. And I think it just it showed he has some. Well, I don't think he has some range, but when he was in Dreamgirls, I was actually very impressed because I just I'm so used to seeing him in these comedic roles. But I was like, okay, so. I see the drop. I mean, I know some of those other movies have dramatic moments, but that was one that I enjoyed seeing him in. I think it was because it was so different than everything else he had done. Yes. Did you see Dolomite is my name? No, it's on my, I still haven't watched it. It's on my list in uh, Netflix. It's good. It's funny. It's funny. Um, and then we, we didn't touch on the Boomerang series that's out right now. I know they're doing a sequel for Coming to America, and now they have the Boomerang series on BET. Are you mm -hmm. a fan? Um, that means no. The only reason <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to go there. You gotta work in this business, as do I. We don't. <laughs> no sense. No sense. <laughs> I think, though, honestly, my reasons for not being a fan have nothing to do with the actual production of the show or like the actors or anything. I think it's more so, I like that image of Marcus and Angela walking, you know, by the park, they're gonna live their life. And then the premise I think of the new boomerang is, you know, their daughter is uh, somehow good friends with um, Robin Givens' son. And it just made, it made it seem like Robin Givens was still kind of meddling in their life. And so that was what was in my head. I was like, no. So it's like, I said, it has nothing to do with the show itself, but it's just because that was like the premise. I just didn't want to think of Jacqueline kind mm -hmm. of meddling with Marcus and Angela. Yeah, I feel you. I feel like they, they it probably would have been better for them to just go with a new story, like with the same yeah. backdrop as Boomerang was, as opposed to trying to force it to be interweaved from the movie. Right. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? up with something original and use the same type of the backdrop of maybe a young boy playing with women like that would have been yeah just like a new generation or something and like but the story is similar but and to your point because we couldn't find a, a perfect uh counterpart for this film because we don't have a modern counterpart for this film yeah. so it would have been original for them to come up with something you know that the modern people can kind of relate to yeah so, that closes that thank you ashley for your time today we so appreciate thank you for coming you on yes yes, yes yes what's new for you what do you have coming up i know you just finished your second script for black lightning um i have some other things that are coming down the pipeline some of which i can't mention because they're like in development but i have my own projects that i've been working on so um just continue to to work on those some um like a pilot that i'm working on and another sample so yeah okay well we will keep our eyes out and when it comes out we'll bring you back on the podcast when you could talk okay. about some little <laughs> service for it but thank you so much for joining we appreciate you thank you thanks for tuning in to another episode of she critiques I'm your host, Mercedes. You can find me on all platforms at Cheek Critiques. That's C-H-I-C-C-R-I-T-I-Q-U-E-S. 
and we look forward to the engagement and all the feedback. Take care.